0: What's up, everyone? This is Brian Ward, host of the Dad Up Podcast, the podcast show for dads, about dads, being dads. I'm super excited that you are here and for the guests that I have on the show today. But before we get to the interview, if you have not yet subscribed to my show, please make sure you smash that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Also, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. The link is in the show notes. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me. Uh, I'm joined by my good friend David Waldy. He's going to share a little bit about the things that he's doing and a little bit about his kids. But I'm really excited to have him on. Thank you very much, brother, for being on the show.
1: Brian, it's an honor to be here. I'm really looking forward to this conversation and uh, just excited. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad we finally got a schedule. There's a couple of things that we had to kind of work out between our schedules and stuff, and I finally got it got it got it done and got you here. Um, for my listeners who may not know who you are, let's share a little bit about you, your backstory, kind of how you grew up, um, the things you're doing now, which are tremendous, the things you're doing now and how you're helping men, uh, and other, other dads out there specifically, but, uh, and then, and then obviously this is a dad podcast. We'll get into your, uh, to your family as well.
1: For sure. Yeah. So, uh, I refer to myself as the fierce empathy coach. And so, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with that term, it's a term that I, I, I don't really know where it came from. It was more of an intuitive thing, but it's become a philosophy that has governed every single part of my life. And uh, I'm a very empathetic person by nature. Uh, I have a lot of sensitivity to the emotions, thoughts, feelings of other people. And growing up as a kid, when you find out, especially as a man, you find out your number one strength is empathy and you've been conditioned your entire life to believe that that's not a manly characteristic. (laughs) It uh, It was very challenging and stretching. Because I resented a lot of who I was for most of my life. But in time, as I just progressed and grew and matured and and, uh, just as happens in life, I started to realize that I just didn't have a full picture of understanding what that really meant. And it developed into this philosophy that I call fierce empathy. And so the basic premise is that uh, anytime that we're in a situation, I believe that we have the ability to create an environment where people feel seen, heard, and understood But simultaneously, we must have the courage to be willing to speak the hard truth in love, regardless of whatever discomfort may follow. We live in a day and age where so many people are walking around on eggshells. Everyone's offended and triggered by everything. Uh, If it opens its mouth, (laughs) there's a reason for people to get offended. And so... Uh, what I do, a lot of the work that I do centers around emotional intelligence, centers around confidence and identity, our relationships with ourselves, relationships with other people. And that translates into a lot of different contexts. So whether I'm speaking or doing consulting in a business, or if I'm just working one-on-one with a leader, most of it centers around understanding our behavioral psychology, why we are the way we are, how to better interact with the world around us, and to be able to create more peace more fulfillment, more joy in the life that we have. And really, to me, it's redefining success. Uh, We live in a day and age where success is really only defined by so many people as one metric, which is uh, the financial metric. Mm -hmm. And as you and I both know, Brian, uh, success is so much more than that. Your family, your health, uh, just everything ties into it. And so a little bit of uh, my backstory, how we got here. I am a Kansas farm boy at heart. I actually grew up uh, Kansas country farmland. My dad was a veterinarian. Mom was a teacher and a hardworking family. I grew up conditioned to believe like in hard work uh, as a kid. We had our normal family chores, which are just part of what you do because you're part of you're a Waldy, right? You're a part of the family. I'm sure it is for your boys, their wards. And so certain things you do, but I was also taught from a very young age what it looked like to uh, to work for what I wanted, and so I would have additional chores and opportunities, things that I could do to earn money. And so it taught me the value of being able to uh, to develop not only my skill sets in different areas and learn and grow and expand, but it it taught me the value of money and it taught me to uh, to work hard and to do my best in everything that I could do. And so when I was thirteen, uh, I was actually very upset about this. Brian, my family decided to move to Florida at the time I didn't realize it was because my parents were on the edge of divorce. Uh, my dad was an entrepreneur. He owned his own business practice. He was uh, you know, small and large animal veterinarian. And so at the time as a 13 year old kid, you're just thinking, Oh, we're moving to the place where Disney world is. This is going to be freaking awesome. Uh, little did I know that it was my parents last ditch effort to save their marriage. And so we moved to Florida. The reason I was upset about it is that where I grew up, when you turn 14 and where I lived, you could get your farmer's permit and drive.
0: I knew you were going with moved- that.
1: <laughs> so we moved to Florida a month before I'm about to turn 14. And I find out I can't even get my learner's permit till 15. And so <laughs> needless to say, I was not a happy camper, but. It was culture shock, man. I go from growing up on basically 70, 80 acres where my grandparents lived on a corner, my cousins, we all had just this big compound family, horses, and you know, all the whole nine yards to where I could stick my hand out my window when we moved to Florida and touch my neighbor's house. It was completely different than my entire upbringing. Uh, Culture shock just. Uh, the amount of people, <laughs> you know, just, it was it was a very different experience, and so I ended up, uh, you know, as just as many of us do, we 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 work hard in school because I was conditioned to believe if you work hard in school, you can you get scholarships, get into a good school, go to school, graduate with your degree, get a good job, live the American dream, right? And so that's what I did. But my senior year. I actually transitioned schools and uh, most of what I did was just whatever requirements were left for me to graduate. Uh, plus I did OJT. All my other classes were on the job training. So I was at at school until like 1030 in the morning and then I dipped out and I went to work. I was my entire senior year. And so on the tail end of that, I graduated with a full ride academic scholarship that I actually turned down. I decided that, uh, Going the traditional educational route was just not for me. I didn't really know why at the time. I really felt like it was a God thing. It was something that, that God had put inside of my heart. And a lot of it was very practical too, because most of my friendships were uh, people that were five, six, seven, eight years older than me. I always just had older friends and all of them as they're graduating high school, I'm getting ready to graduate college or high school. Uh, they're graduating college. I'm getting ready to graduate high school. All of them like, don't do this. Do not do this unless you're going to become a doctor or a lawyer, or there's very specific credentials that you need to go into a specific job field, do not go to school to just get a degree because all of them were graduating in degree fields that they were no longer interested in. They were forced to take jobs they didn't want to take to start paying back their student loan debt. They were just overwhelmed, frustrated, just confused. And I was like, why would I do that to myself? And so I took an alternative path, Brian. I I decided to go to an internship program actually here in South Carolina, which is why I ended up here, called South Carolina School of Leadership. It was all about leadership development, interpersonal communication, understanding strengths, learning how to disciple and build community and coach and and work with people. And so I spent uh, two years there, and it was probably one of the most challenging seasons of my entire life because... I had been conditioned up until that point. If I'm going to win in life, I'm supposed to go to school and get a job and like get a good job. And I've got to, I've got to have all these things, but something was pulling me away from it. And it was actually kind of the ministry component. So the school had some Bible college classes and things like that. And I thought maybe I'll become a pastor or I don't know and that season taught me a lot about myself uh, unfortunately as soon as i moved out uh, my parents ended up getting divorced and so there was a lot of challenges that happened during that season i've got a younger sister and um i i lost who i was i didn't know who i was as is probably familiar for many people when you're in your early 20s mm-hmm. you're like i don't know which way is up and down but i did know that most everything in life up until my point at uh, that point in my life I did know that if I was willing to commit to the process of working hard in certain areas, that I could create different results. And so I fell in love with reading. I fell in love with modeling. I fell in love with learning, mentorship, coaching, podcasts. Like even at the time, podcasts really weren't that popular, but just listening to audiobooks and even like some old cassette tapes, (laughs) just I was obsessed with learning as much as I could from people that. Had succeeded in different areas of life, and so I feel immeasurably grateful that even back then I I recognized that what college couldn't teach me because of theory and uh, and I'm not anti college by the way I just think it's right for the right people and it's not right for a lot of people. I went into about a ten year period of just I was existing, and that period ended um, about two years ago, actually about three years ago. And I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what way was up and what was down through that process. Like God's grace was on me. I ended up getting married to my best friend on the entire planet, my wife, Jesse, and we started off life together. But as far as identity and what I wanted to do and what I wanted to, to be when I grew, grew up, all of that, I had no, my twenties are just a blur. My tw- Like I was working hard. I was in sales. My first job was in sales. I've been in sales my entire life. I ended up by the time I was about 25, 26, Brian, I had achieved the quote unquote American dream. Glass corner office, company car, six-figure salary, company credit card, millions of dollars in sale, like senior leadership managing a team generating millions and millions and millions of dollars. And I um I wanted to end it all. Mm. I will never forget. There was a season that, um, there was a season that I ended up going through where I came out about some stuff that I saw going on inside of the company I was working at. Mm. It backfired bad. I ended up, uh, in that proverbial all seen in the Hollywood movies, the big giant conference room with the big dogs on one side and the little guy on the other side. And I was, uh, um i was belittled i was cursed at and i was effectively told the only reason that i was still at the company was because i was too much of a financial asset to replace immediately that i was only as useful as the money i was bringing into the company and at the time i was doing extraordinarily well i was a top 1% producer in this 400 million dollar a year company i never felt like a salesperson i didn't feel like i was ever good at sales but the numbers didn't lie and this started this process of really redefining everything that has become my life up to this point and everything that I intend to create moving forward, because I started to, I started to kind of take that step back. We've, we've all talked about this before is you have those wake up calls, right? I hate that we all have to have them, but sometimes like that's the only thing (laughs) That, that will jolt us. And so in about a six to 12 month period, my wife and I went through a miscarriage. I took a $40,000 pay cut. My job was threatened and I basically had a timeline for how long I was going to be there unless something crazy happened. And I uh, I was having regular panic attacks. I was 60 pounds heavier than I am right now. I was working 70, 80, 90 hours a week. Um, I was not present as a husband I wasn't present as a father for our firstborn when she came into the world. I felt like I was failing on every front, but from the outside looking in, like I'd made it Mm -hmm. as far as the definable metrics for what a successful life was supposed to be. I had the house, had the car, had the job, had stuff. And there was a day that I, um, um, I don't know if if we can call it this. I, I, want to be sensitive, but I wanted to unalive myself and I grabbed my, my, my sidearm and I went into the bathroom and I looked in the mirror and um, it had to have been God. And that's the only thing that I can attribute it to. But there was a situation that had happened just before that, where before that night um, I was driving about 70, 80 miles an hour down the the road. I had a panic attack and I pulled off the side of the road and I broke down just cursing God, cursing life, like all the language, like all of it. Like I was just done. And I heard three words and I know it was God. And all I heard was, I love you. I love you. And this tumultuous season was what I needed to wake up and to realize that I had been living on autopilot. I had believed I had a lot of my belief system that was really jacked up from my upbringing and from different, you know, religious contexts and things like that. And just how I saw the world. And I, uh, you know, fast forward to that night where I, I, I I considered taking my life and I, I put the, the the sidearm down and I looked at myself in the mirror. I actually have a picture of myself that night that I took in the mirror on my website. And you can see the depression in my face. You can mm-hmm. see like I I mean my shirt's off. It's like in the mirror, like you can see it. And I just remember in that moment, I knew that something had to change, but I didn't know how. I didn't know what to change. I I didn't know who I was. And fortunately, during that time, this was a total God thing as well, I had a mentor of mine who actually had approached me because I was in that leadership position. Uh, She worked for another company. And she said, Hey, my, my organization has this coaching program that I'm, i've am i been tasked to develop it's about a three hundred thousand dollar coaching program but i need five case studies and i need to have all of the data to be able to present to our board of directors before we'll move forward with this initiative would you like to be one of the case studies i will allow you to go through this for free number one i'd never heard of a coaching program before right. <laughs> other than coaching like in sports and stuff like that right and um number 2 the fact like those were numbers that was just like who in the world would ever pay that kind of money for a coaching program I, it was a completely different paradigm of of life and so fast forward i'm wrestling through all of this the fact that i'm a very empathetic dude like i feel like <laughs> Now, what's really funny is that I love the outdoors. I love hunting, fishing, riding motorcycles. Like I like doing the quote unquote manly stuff, but I'm very emotional. I'm a very, very emotional human being. And that caused a lot of cognitive dissonance in my early years because what so many men say men are supposed to look like and act like and talk like i know that's a big topic of conversation today i think it always has been it's like what is a man and like what is a woman and what how do you define it and what are the characteristics and everything like that and so growing up i really pushed down that sensitive side that empathetic side and over the course of 15 years brian i took um the same strengths test three different times and every single time my top five strengths were the same as empathy inclusivity connectedness adaptability, and input. I resisted it for so long because that's not who I was supposed to be. And as I started to fall in love with learning more about myself, this mentor of mine, she told me, she said, David, do you realize that your approach to sales and business and marketing is is unlike anything that is in traditional business today. I'm like, what are you talking about? Because she's like, you're amazing at sales. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not a sales dude. I hate salespeople. Like, <laughs> I'm not a sales guy. Like, I can't stand them. And she's like, but the numbers don't lie. You're generating millions and millions and millions of dollars in sales with an average ticket price of 1,200 bucks. It it's just services. I'm just selling services. And she's like, there's something there. I'm like, okay. She's like, have you ever thought about going out and becoming an entrepreneur and taking this knowledge and equipping and helping other businesses to sell the way that you sell and to market the way that you market your business, uh, the business I was working for? And I was like, I'm never becoming an entrepreneur. And I remember saying that because when I looked back at my dad and his entrepreneurship, like his endeavors, all that I saw was pain, him being absent, him not being able to be at my football games, my soccer games, my baseball games, you know, he's up before he's gone before I would wake up and he's home right before I go to bed. Like that was what entrepreneurship was to me. That was my definition. And so I was like, no, why would I ever want that? If anything, like my dad and I have an incredible relationship now, but as a kid, all I wanted was my flipping dad and he was working so hard. And so when she asked me that, I was like, no, there's like, I'm not going to do it. And so we're sitting at this little Mediterranean restaurant eating shawarma and a bunch of food I can't pronounce. It's one of those little main street cafes, you know, with the big glass windows and the cars are like driving by. And she looks across the table at me and we're working through this coaching program. And uh, she asked me one question and she said, David, who do you want to become? And Brian, I had never I mean, maybe people had asked me that before, but I had never heard it, like really heard it until that moment. Because I started to realize my entire life, the only question I had ever heard was, what do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do when you grow up? Not who do you want to be? What do you want to do? And there is a significant difference in those two questions. So when she asked me that, and we're talking about this sales and marketing and all this stuff and my future and who I, my, who I am as a dad, who I am as a husband, I realized, Brian, that I had never even known that I had permission to define that. Right. I thought that that was God's job, like how I grew up. God's supposed to tell me why I'm here. I'm supposed to find his calling for my life. And then I'm supposed to devote my life to do that. Maybe it's being a pastor or ministry or working in this job or buying this house. It was always like trying to seek the will of God. And I was pissed, man, because it seemed like everybody around me Found that flippant answer, but not David Waldy. Right. Like this person is going to the Peace Corps, this person becoming a doctor, this person is doing whatever. And I'm like, I'm just here. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm just going to try and provide for my family. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I believe. I don't know what my core values. I don't know it. I I'm just here. And so when she asked me that, something inside of me broke, Brian. Something inside of me shifted because she looked at me and she said, "You know, I know you." you're having a hard time defining who you want to become. But if you had to pick a model, like someone that you would want to model past, present, or future, you can look at who they are, not, not their lifestyle necessarily, but who they are and even what to some degree, what they do, who would that be? It's like, gosh, her name's Sarah Cabra. And I, I said, Sarah, I don't know Jesus. <laughs> and she's like wrong answer. You can't, that you can't say Jesus. That's not a not a fair answer. I was like, okay, fine. I guess maybe somebody like Tony Robbins, probably with a few less f words. You know, I, I want to inspire and encourage people. I want to build people up. I definitely don't want to travel as much as him, but like I can see that I want to be writing books and inspiring, and encouraging. I, I you know I I want to be in that type of role, coaching and helping people, and. That moment, Brian, was the day where my entire life started to change because it was the first time in my life that I understood when people when people talk about vision, like what that actually meant, because I had invested my entire life into figuring out what do I need to do? What do I need to do to fix my marriage? What do I need to do to fix my health? What do I need to do to fix my job? What do I need to do to get my boss off my back? What do I need to do to get my employees to work right? What do I need to do? And when I started asking that question instead, who do I want to become? Who do I need to become? Who is this person that I have pushed down my entire life? I started to realize like everything that I was resenting in my life was actually all of my superpowers. My empathy, Mm -hmm. my connectedness, my ability to adapt. Input, it sounds like a lot like I I do love to talk. I love to give input, but input is actually collecting things. I collect information. I've collected information my entire life. I obsessively read. I mean, there's very few subjects on the planet outside of like some of the crazy quantum physics stuff that I don't like. I haven't dabbled in to some degree. I'm what some people call a multi-potentialite. I have like the ADHD, ADD stuff all over. Like I, I get really weird hyper fixations and That process of really starting to rediscover who I was and starting to align myself with who I wanted to become, all of these questions of what I needed to do, like the answers started to present themselves. What I needed to do got crystal clear once I started to align with future version of David. And I started giving myself permission to say, that's the father I want to become. That's the husband I want to become. That is what I want my body to look like, what I want my finances to look like, what I want my relationship with God to look like. All of these components that make us up as human beings. I started to grab a vision and I started thinking and aligning with that. And that is... Fast forward to where we are today, the last three, four years, I have had, I left that job about three, three and a half years ago. Um, The day that I turned in my notice uh, is actually kind of a funny, quick story. The day I turned in my notice, uh, I got an email um, from probably one of the most influential personal development uh, individuals on the planet. I won't mention his name for, for right now, but you can use your imagination. And he invited me to come and be a speaker and head trainer. And I ended up having some incredible experiences working in the quote unquote influencer space or whatever you want to call it, and got to meet some incredible human beings, did some projects, started a business. I had my own business at the time, started another business, then another business. And eventually that led into doing what I do today, which all centers around working with people and helping them to redefine success through the lens of who they want to become, and then taking the necessary actions to rewire the brain using neuroscience, to change habits, to change behavior, and to systematically change every aspect of our lives. I've been able to see not only the impact in my life, but my mission and my goal and my vision when I first started that was I wanted to create a life where I could have breakfast, lunch, and dinner with my kids. I wanted to have freedom to dance in the kitchen on t- at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday with my wife if I wanted to. And I wanted to be able to serve people well. I wanted to help them not only in business, but in their identity and understanding more about emotional intelligence and how to better relate to themselves and to love themselves and to see themselves and to also relate to other people to where we are today. I'm, I'm a speaker, I, I do coaching and mentorship. I do some business consulting and uh, I'm working on a book right now. I actually have a couple of TED Talks that I'm working on as well. And so that's that's it in a very large nutshell, Brian. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, I mean, that's great. I mean, you, you've got a lot there that, that we can unpack. But first, tell me about your kids. Tell me about their ages and all that stuff.
1: Absolutely. So all of this... All of this came about because of, again, some pain that I experienced growing up. The entrepreneurship thing was not something that I even entertained till about four or five years ago when I was like, okay, maybe maybe I can make it different. And if I am gonna do it different, what I do want as much as I honor and love my dad and I understand now he was working incredibly hard to give me opportunities Mm -hmm. that he never had. And so as a kid, you misunderstand that. And then as you mature, you're like, okay, I get it now. And mm-hmm. so even with that, the lessons that I learned, I knew if I was going to go into entrepreneurship, it had to make sense for my alignment, for the harmony I wanted to create in my life, and for the type of routine and schedule of everyday life that I wanted to have. And so uh, this first started when my my daughter was born. Her name is Emmy Sage. Uh, she is five. And uh, she is just, <laughs> she's going to be the president one day. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Uh, She is, she got both my wife and I's uh, stubborn cells. So she's got a double dose of stubborn. Um, She's brilliant. She is just the happiest kid. She's so focused. She is very intelligent. Um, She loves to learn. She obsessively learns, loves to read, Um, has a crazy imagination. And she's just she's just a bundle of joy. She's so much fun, but she's incredibly fiery. Like she's a freaking little fireball. <laughs> she knows what she wants and what she doesn't want. And she'll tell you her opinion, whether you want it or not. Um, and I love it. And so she came along about five years ago, bear bear. Daniel is my middle one. He, uh, he's about to turn three in actually just a couple of weeks and, uh, bear, his name is actually bear B E A R. Uh, funny quick story for that. My wife and I couldn't figure out a name. And we were just for like the whole entire pregnancy. We're like, we don't know what this kid's name's going to be. And then one day we're driving in the car and either she looked at me or I looked at her and and one of us said, I feel like his name's supposed to be Bear. And then again, I don't remember which one of us it was, but one of us looked back at the other like, yeah, that's right. And we were just like, all right, his name's Bear. And so uh Bear Daniel, he's our middle one. He is just, oh my gosh, he is the sweetest kid. He's super sensitive. Uh, he's obsessed with dinosaurs and cars right now, and just uh uh getting into Most three years old, three-year-olds are. <laughs> yeah, he's just um you know, he's pushing all the bounds, so he he could be a little Hellion, but granted he's a boy, and I'm like, hey, it's kind of be expected, you know, <laughs> you're just doing boy things. And like this weekend, he and I, my wife took um took my daughter and our youngest Leo. I'll tell you about him in a second. Uh, down to Florida, My sister's actually getting married. And so me and Bear had the whole weekend. So we built a fire pit in the backyard. We cleaned up the backyard. I took him out to the hunt club. We're riding at four wheelers and just having an incredible time. And uh, it was it was just so much fun. I absolutely love that kid. He loves the outdoors. like he if he has a choice between being outside or inside, he wants to be outside. <laughs> um, and then little Leo, Leo was born in January, actually, actually, and uh, he is Leo David. And Leo is actually uh, a family name, same with Emmy. So Emmy's a family name. Emmy's great, great, great grandmother was named Emmy. And then Leo, uh, Leo is a great uncle of his. That was He was actually a rancher out in Montana. Very, very um, yeah, good picture of what we say. When we say like, what's the, what's the ideal man? <laughs> That's kind of what I visualize, you know, the rancher, just like hard, you know, <laughs> weathered face and all that kind of stuff. And so he, um, he is just starting to crawl everywhere. He gets into everything. Um, but he is, he's literally the happiest kid I've ever seen. You you don't see him without a smile. He's just oh, cool. smiling at life. Like he is happy to be here. And and then of course, um, my, my pride and joy is my incredible wife, my best friend, uh, her name's Jessie, And she is, infinitely more than I could have ever asked for or imagined we just um we're about to in April'll we'll be nine years uh, which is pretty crazy and, and amazing and uh yeah we live here in South Carolina we've got a little little piece of property and uh we're we're country folk so we like living on a dirt road and we like biscuits and gravy and-
0: yeah <laughs> so- yeah um well that's so- cool man that's awesome um I love the backstory but what I love most is just watching your face light up, talking about your kids. That's what gets me. That's what I love because, you know, for me, I mean, as I told you uh, before we started this, you know, my, my two boys, 23 and 21, and, uh, yeah. I knew, I knew as a young child, uh, and my viewers, listeners, followers know this, but I knew as a young child that I wanted to be a, a, a dad and I wanted to be a good dad because my parents yeah. who are still married to this day, 50 years, still married. Um, they worked a lot, you know, they had blue collar jobs and and they were gone all the time. And, I didn't get a whole lot of opportunity with them. You know, I would ride this to my practices, my sporting practices or my games with my friends, parents, because my parents couldn't go. And I knew that as much as that hurt me as a kid, I knew that I didn't want to be that way as a dad. So that, yeah. you know, the way that you talk about your kids is exactly how I look at my two boys and how I talked about my two boys when they were growing up. I was involved in everything. I coached from when they were four all the way up through high school and even beyond. They, they you know, they got out of high school and I was still coaching. So, and I know you and I had talked about that, but um I mean, just watching your face light up, brother, that's awesome. I mean, that's, I, yeah, it's funny when my younger son was about to graduate high school, I was like, oh my gosh, my, my, my younger boy's about to turn 18 or turned 18. What am Mm -hmm. I going to do now? My fatherhood journey has ended, (laughs) right? Like I did what I was supposed to do. My wife and I got these two, two guys that are, that are independent. Now my fatherhood Mm -hmm. role has ended. What do Mm -hmm. I do? And that's why, you know, I started the podcast three years ago because, you know, I knew it was something that I had to do to to give back to other dads. And so I have, I love having dads like you on the show to really highlight and talk about their kids and watch their 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 faces just shine when they talk about them so the way that you talk about your kids is awesome I do though I do want to talk about I mean you talked about a lot in the beginning there about the stuff that you went through and the struggles that you went through as a young man and you know yeah. quite honestly David that's we all go through that right we all have our own little internal struggles as men uh, even yeah. you know as grown adults we still struggle with these issues of you know trying to find that 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 sense of empathy. And I love what you call it, a fierce empathy. And then it, it, when I'm, when I think about that, I, I, men do not want to wear that on their, on their shirt. You know, they want to keep it internally. They want to internalize it. Right. They want to keep it yep. in. You're supposed to be men. Yeah. We raise our boys the same way. Like I can remember being raised by my dad. Oh, you, you, you scrape your knee up or whatever. And you want to, you want to shed a tear and your, and your dad's like, tough it up. You're, you're fine. You yep. know, uh, I've, I've, <laughs> I should go on a little backstory here. I had an episode with my younger son when he was playing flag football. I was a coach. He was playing yeah. flag football and he broke his wrist. And mm. I remember as a dad, when he fell and hurt his wrist, I said, oh, it's just a sprain. You're fine. You'll be fine. And he's, you know, he's crying and stuff because it was really hurting him. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember I said, at the end of practice, when we're done, he's still like really hurting and in a lot of pain. And I told him, I'm like, dude, suck it up, man. It's just a sprain. Mm. Relax. You'll get over it. It'll heal. You'll be fine. Yeah. And a week later, he's like, dad, my wrist is still hurting. I can't, I can't hardly move it. And I mm. said, you know what? I was mad. I was mad as a dad. I was like, wow, like my son's being a baby, right? My son's mm. being a baby. That's how I took it. Oh, I like, went, wow. you know what? Just to make you happy, I'm going to take you to the doctor. He's going to give you an x-ray. And I literally told him, David, I said, we're going to get this x-ray done. He's going to tell you it's just spraining. And I'm going to tell you, I told you so. And you're gonna to have to suck it up that was my mistake as a dad because when we went to the doctor and he got an x-ray the doctor looked at us and said yeah it's broke
1: mm.
0: and I, I was like <laughs> i cannot." i looked at my son i you know the one thing that i'm good at as a dad is i'll own it you know if yeah. i make a mistake i'm gonna to go to my boys and say i made a mistake i messed up and i had to yeah. right in front of the doctor tell my son i made a mistake i messed up you were right it was broke and i'm sorry And that's a struggle for dads, right? Admitting when we're wrong because we're Mm -hmm. supposed to have, you know, we have this ego behind us. We're these men, we're these tough guys, you know, we, we we don't, we don't ever make mistakes or if we do, we don't ever acknowledge it, you know? So that's how I felt with my son. It's like, dude, I messed up. I'm really sorry, bud. I feel terrible (laughs) dad of the year across my forehead right here. Like, (laughs) you know. Um, but you know, talking about that, how do you help men through that? Because if I come to you as a dad and say, you know, I'm really struggling with this side of me. I know mm-hmm. it wants to come out, but I'm, yeah. tr- you know, I can feel myself internalizing it and keeping it in. And I know it's yep. important for us to let our emotions out as men. It's okay to do that. How do you mm-hmm. help dads through that?
1: It's a great question. So I will say that a lot of the work that I do is very contextualized uh, to the individual because every every person obviously is nuanced. Every story is unique. Um, There are commonalities and similarities, and you can oftentimes see a lot of layered themes because of just when you have certain generations that grew up conditioned to be a certain way, you can see that. And so for the individual, anytime that Anytime that I come across a man, Brian, now, and I'm I have to be very careful with it. So one of the other things about me is that I'm very um, being very empathetic. Uh, I I have what I would call as a gift is that, and I, I I treat it with a lot of humility and respect. Uh, I do think that it does tie to a lot of my belief system to around words of knowledge and words of wisdom. I'm a Christian, and that's kind of my my background and understanding what I believe to be the Holy Spirit working through me is that most often the guys that are even emotionally aware enough to recognize I'm not emotionally available, they're 99% of the way there. They really are. Because if you're humble enough to recognize I am not being emotionally available in the way that I want to be, whether it's with my kids or with my spouse, that to me is a tremendously courageous element of ownership. You're just saying, I know that this is a problem. And so, Typically what I'm doing and working with the individual is uh, it's a systematic approach. And so I have what's called the fierce empathy framework It's actually an acronym. And so fierce, I'll break it down really quickly. So fierce is foundations. That's number one is like, where are you right now? Like, be honest. This is the hardest thing for men is to get really freaking brutally honest about where you are right now and being honestly self-reflective and critical to the point that you can write down on a piece of paper, here's where I suck as a human being. Here's what's falling through the cracks. Here are all the things that I'm dissatisfied with. But here's the challenge in that, Brian, is that a lot of guys, number one, they've never done that. But number two, when most do it, they mistakenly layer on guilt, shame, condemnation, and regret. So the goal is to take an honest reflection of where you are without layering on all the BS, all of the history in the past and where you failed and messed up saying, no, like this is not like pity party, wine, cry, like feel bad about myself time. This is just an, like, what are the facts? What are the facts for your life right now that we need to start here with the foundation? And the best way that I, I used to describe this, Brian, is that if somebody gives you a map and you can see where the buried treasure is, but they don't orient you or tell you where you are currently on that map, that map is useless.
0: Right.
1: It's completely useless. They can be like, I can tell you exactly where the treasure is, but if you don't know where you are right now, it's useless. And so the foundation piece is taking time to actually reflect and say, here's where I'm at. And then it leads into I, so that's F, I in, in the fierce part, I is intentions. This is where we start to craft and formulate a vision. What are your intentions? What are your intentions as far as your marriage? You as a father in your business or in your career, in your health, in your spiritual walk, in your mindset, in your emotional state, what are the things that you need to to change? And the only way that we know what to change is when you start to craft a vision for the man you want to be instead, the man you want to become. But here's where another problem potentially can slip in, Brian, is that a lot of times this level of dissatisfaction, we look at who we are and we look at the man that we want to become. And we just, again, all we feel is guilt. All we feel is ashamed. All we feel is like trash. We just feel like horrible guys. We're like, that's who I want to be, but this is who I am. It looks like, that, uh,
0: yeah, it looks like, I don't mean to red you, but that's when men look at it that way. It mm-hmm. seems like the man you want to become is so far away and almost mm-hmm. appears so unrealistic yep, that you don't even attempt to make the steps to get to that place, right?
1: Right. Yeah. And the reason is, is because we're looking at it through the wrong frame, in my opinion. We've been conditioned to believe that, hey, if I create this version of me that I want to become, then I have to work really hard to become that. That's not true. The reason that we have to craft a vision, and I shouldn't say it's not true. It's true, but with a strong caveat. When you craft a vision for the man that you want to become, it's not because you need to to look at all of these areas where you're deficient and feel like trash, because that's what usually happens. The goal is to be able to see in your mind that future version of you and mentally This is where I lose some people. So hopefully I do a good job explaining this. We know the power of imagination, right? We've we've seen this in our kids. Every father has seen this in their child. When your kid pretends cowboys and Indians, or they're a little chef, or they're a prince or a princess, and they step into an alter ego, they step into this alternate version of themselves as kids. And they believe with everything in them for that moment, they are a cowboy and nothing could tell them otherwise. We've lost that art as grown-ups, mm-hmm. as adults of tapping into our imagination, because it's not so much of comparing and contrasting who you are right now and who you want to become. It's actually allowing you to recognize where you do need to change. But the best way to change these areas of your life is by using your imagination and mentally associating into that version of you. So every single day, what we're doing is we're thinking from that place. How would that version of David be showing up in his marriage? How would that version of David be showing up as a father? How does that David prioritize his health? How does that version of David? And when you can do that as individuals, you start to realize, oh my gosh. So I'm stressed right now because my marriage is you're struggling, or I'm stressed right now, because I, I'm i not as connected with my kids. If in that moment, you can start to think about the version of you that you would rather be, you can actually change your, your entire person, who you are, and you can respond in the way that you want to be. And you do that for long enough, you will very rapidly become that version of you without even realizing it. It doesn't take a ton of hard work. It takes intentionality. And I, I, I'm Careful with the word hard work because it's not easy. It is definitely not easy, um, but that's where I think a lot of people miss it. And so, long story short, fierce empathy framework. We start foundations. Who do you want to become? Then you go into expectations. This is where you set up boundaries. What are your expectations for yourself, for those around you, et cetera? Um, and then we work into uh, into the R section, and R is relevancy. A lot of times there are certain stages of life where certain things are relevant and certain things aren't, right? And so you have to establish, okay, these things I want to change in my life, who I am as a father, as a leader, as a husband, as a a friend, whoever, what is actually relevant to where I'm at in life and what is not so relevant. Then from there, you look at constructs. This is one of the biggest things is our belief systems dictate everything, Mm-hmm. I realized that from, a, you know, going through the trauma that I went through is that if you see the world a certain way, when we all do, all of us have a certain paradigm, a certain way that we see the world. If you're not actively practicing the art of challenging that belief system, then you are severely sabotaging the potential in your life. Because the only reason that we do anything that we do is because of our subconscious right? Mm -hmm. It's the wiring of our brain. It's how we're programmed. And the only way to get different results is to rewire the brain by reprogramming it, which means you have to do deep work on your belief system, which are the constructs that you carry about how money works, how marriage works, how parenting works, all of these different types of things, because all of us, like all of us are going through life thinking that we're right. Right. But we can't all be right. And so it's not so much about being right. It's more having the humility to say, okay, what if, what if I'm wrong about this? I'm not saying I am wrong, but what if I am? What that does is it unlocks our ability to see different perspectives and maintain an open-minded curiosity to learn. I know, Brian, there are countless things that I could learn from you. I have learned even in just our conversation leading up to this and just our time together. I know I've been speed talking for a while, but just in even watching you and seeing you talking about your boys and who you are, if we maintain this this attitude of curiosity, where we recognize we're no better than anybody else, we're not intrinsically inferior or superior to anyone else on the planet, it brings you to this place where you're like, okay, maybe, maybe how I see the world isn't the only way to see the world. And maybe I can learn something from every person who's on this planet. And I have found that when you do that and you start to work on the constructs, how you see life and how you see the world, you even more rapidly change and transform and you create more of that peace, more of that joy, more of that fulfillment, which is ultimately what most of us are seeking. And then the last one is E for escalation. This is looking at, okay, now that I have defined who I want to become. I'm aligning my life with that. I'm making new choices. I'm thinking from a different plane. I'm challenging my beliefs. That's what I do systematically in working through a person to get them to a point where we're saying, okay, now how can we escalate this? How can we take your marriage from a 10 to an 11? How can we take your relationship with your kids from a nine to a 10? How can we optimize those areas you're already winning in and escalate them to a whole new level so that you actually get to play on a whole different level? physically emotionally spiritually financially relationally how can you escalate all of these um and do it in in what i would call is a a more harmonious way because balance we know balance is not realistic but Mm -hmm. harmony is and finding where that harmony is of saying okay am i really going to put in the work required again the reason it's hard is because it's simple it's not easy but it's simple but that's what makes it so hard Am I willing to put in the work required every single day with consistency to be a man of integrity? And when we talk about the word integrity, it's one of my favorite words on the planet. Most often we talk about integrity as it pertains to other people. If I give you my word, Brian, right? That's my integrity. If I break it, I've broken into, we're out of integrity, right? But most men don't actually stop to think about the integrity they have within themselves for themselves because we punk out on our word all the time to ourselves we snooze we don't go to the gym we don't pick up the flowers we said we were going to pick up for our wife we we do miss the ball game even though we could have you know made a rain there's all these different types of things that we we give our word to ourselves and we break it over and over and over and over and over again and eventually that brings you to a place where i believe i got to where there's no self-esteem, there's no self-trust, there's no discipline, there's no clarity, there's no vision, there's no anything. And you can get to a point in your life where you genuinely question, why am I even here? I'm useless. This world would be a better place without me. And my work, not just with men, but work in general, centers around hopefully in some small way empowering others to be able to take back ownership of their life and to recognize that they do have tremendous value and it all starts with how they see themselves and defining who they want to become. That's the foundation. And then from there, it's literally limitless potential because my belief is, is that when you start to define who you want to become and you realign yourself with that, what you need to do gets crystal clear and all of life, God, whatever you want to call it, I believe it's God, will cause all things to work together for your good, whether they feel good or not, (laughs) to work for your good and helping you to become that just like we do when we look at our kids. Because I have a feeling, Brian, you're probably like me. You look at your boys and everything inside of you wants them to be fulfilled, happy, safe, content, full of life, full of joy, full of laughter. You want that for them. And I believe that's what our father in heaven wants for each of us. But that's predicated on us actually getting off our butts and going out there and making something happen. And a lot of times I think men are sitting around waiting on the government or waiting on God or waiting on their spouse or waiting on their kids or waiting on their environment. They say, well, if this would change, then I'll be okay. Right, And we've been convinced for whatever reason that that's how it is. If my circumstances would change, I'll be able to change and get better. And it's a lie that if you want to change any part of your life, the only way that that will ever happen is if we change as individuals.
0: Yeah, I think that's, I mean, great point. And those, that is all well said. I think that that is one of the areas that, Men in particular, and this could be for moms too, but men in particular struggle with that intention behind, um, I think it's, it really comes down to the decisions that we make or the decisions that we don't make. And I think we struggle because life itself, uh, we face these battles throughout the day, every day. Uh, And life continues to pound on us and continues to pound on us and continues to knock us down. And we feel like there's no way we can ever get up. Even though we're getting up and we're trying again the next day, it just feels like we're constantly taking these hits Mm-hmm. And I think for us as men, I look at myself and I, I, I say, OK, the things that I have done in my life, whether it was raising my boys, um, being a husband to my wife, the husband that I wanted to be to my wife, um, having a relationship with the three of them, the things that I've done in my business. Those have all come from the decisions that I've made and what I like to refer to my non-negotiables. Like the, this is this has to happen. This is a non-negotiable to me, but the decisions that i made, but there are still areas because of the things that I've encountered over my life. And I'm talking about me personally, but the things that I've encountered in my life as a child and as a young man and my time in the military, all those different things that have really hit me hard and have kept me knocked down to a certain level, um yeah. I still struggle with those areas. And I know that it's the I have to make decisions in my life in order to, to get myself better. And I try to look at my life as hey, if I'm just a little bit a, a small percentage better than I was yesterday, then I yeah. won. And that's yes. why that's why I've tried to carry my life every single day. Is I like I, I compare myself to who I, who I was yesterday. And if yes. I want to get to the guy that I want to be 10 years from now. I have to start imagining my life like you said I have to start imagining my life and who I am right now that guy 10 years ago today in order to get yeah. to that level and that yeah. comes from you know our, like you said our subconscious self we create things with so our subconscious mind creates the things around us so if we start thinking in a negative pattern or a negative way about ourselves we're going to yeah. create that negative pattern or that negative self it's just going to it's just going to it's just going to show up But the more you change your mindset to really create who you want to be and who you think you should be, who you deserve to be, whether it's a husband, a father, a businessman, um, the more you start to live the life that you want to live now, you'll start to see that stuff change over time. Am I making sense? I'm just rambling, but
1: um, no, I love it.
0: Yeah. I mean, and so my point is, is that for us as men, it's, it's hard. We struggle in various areas of our life because of the, the knocks that we took on the chin um, yeah. we struggle as men. And so I go to you and I say, David, that's great. I, I, I see, I see what you're saying. It all makes sense. All those points. Are, it's almost like writing goals down, right? You got to write goals. You got to write plans. You got to write deadlines. all that kind of stuff. Right. I see mm-hmm. all that stuff. I understand what you're saying. It all makes sense, but that's not yep. easy. It's not easy to do course not. So, so I I tell dads, it's not easy. You want to be the dad that you want. You want to be this particular dad. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. you're this, this type of dad now. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's going to be a tough road that you're going to have to go down to get there. Mm -hmm. It's not impossible, but it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be this quick fix. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: now I go to you, I go, David, all right. I see the plan that you, that you say, I have to do. This is what I have to do in order to get to where I want to be. That's great. All right. So in order for me to get there, my whole Mm -hmm. point in telling you all this is that in order for me to get there, David, how do I do it? Where do I start today as a dad? If I want to become a better dad or the dad that I really desire to be, where do I start right now?
1: Mm -hmm. It's a great question. So the first thing that I would say is just real quick, let me back up for one thing that you said that I think is incredibly important. When you say like, it's not going to be easy. Of course not. And anytime that somebody asks me that, I'm saying, okay, well, is your life right now easy? Right. Like real talk, right? It's like, you're saying that you want you want easy, but the situation you're in isn't easy. You feel like you're failing as a dad, failing as a husband, failing in your career, like all these other, what's easy about that? Because you can choose your hard. This is hard. So is this. I'm going to choose this hard, Right because I know that it is the only path to creating something different than just what I've been living in for five, 10, 15, 30 years. Right. So I always start there when people are like, yeah, but that's going to be freaking hard. I'm like, well, okay. Is what the situation your life right now, is there anything that's hard about it? Like everything's hard. Like, okay, (laughs) choose your hard. right? Right. So that's where I typically start. And what I, what I do, the very first thing that I have people do, Brian, there's, there's really, There's three, well, two exercises and there's one statement. The first statement I'll I'll say is this, is that the reason that most of us struggle in life is we're trying to control the things that we were never meant or intended to control and failing simultaneously, failing to control the areas of our life that we were meant to control, that we can control. And so when we start to look at this, I have each individual write out their perfect day. There's two things. Number one, from the moment you wake up until the moment you go, go to bed, what would be your perfect day? And I'm talking everything from having sex with your wife, to going to the park with your kids, to working on the things that you're passionate about, to when you wake up, working out, what you eat, everything. What is your perfect day? When I had my, one of my mentors had me do this about three years ago, Brian, I found the journal entry about a year and a half ago in my office and I broke down crying because when I read the journal entry that I had written a year and a half prior, I literally was living and experiencing everything I had dreamed and that's I awesome. broke. I just like was weeping. And so that's number one is write down what would your perfect day be? Like literally, what would you be doing to make money? What would you be doing to grow your relationship with your spiritual relationship, your physical relationship, all of it? What would your perfect normal work day look like? That's number one. And number two, I have them do a time audit. I have them say, your current day right now, an average day, I want you to write down in 30-minute increments every single thing you do. You cannot alter or change. You can't feel guilty or ashamed or frustrated or upset or feel like this was a waste of time. I want you to treat it as if it's a normal day And every 30-minute increment. I want you to write down what you do. If I can look at that and I can look at the sheet of their ideal day, I know exactly where they need to go and exactly what they need to do.
0: Okay. I mean, that's, I mean, that, that's easy. I mean, that really is easy. We're talking about, yeah, it's going to be, it's hard where you're at now. It's going to be hard getting to where you want to be, but the way Mm -hmm. that you broke it down there is easy. And one of the things that I talk about a lot with my dads, and sometimes the men find this kind of challenging, just, just this one part is Mm -hmm. journaling, how important journaling is. Because mm-hmm. journaling can create that free space in your mind to allow mm-hmm. you to really accomplish things during the day that may, be, that may be just going crazy in your head. So I like to do that myself. It, even it just takes a few seconds to journal some thoughts that are going on in my mind that just creates mm-hmm. the free space so that way I can tackle stuff that I need to get done for that day. But journaling is one of the most important things that we can do as men. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a diary. It's just you're just jotting down notes, jotting down things that are going that, that may drive you crazy throughout the day. Just these crazy thoughts that you may have that may keep you from being who you want to be by the end of the day. Right. Um, so I think that that's great. I think um, journaling is a huge part of, of the lessons that you kind of help men through, um, do you find that challenging for men to do? I mean, because I know that yeah. my dad's, they they go, ah, I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Well, here's,
1: here's why. Here's why though. Like anytime that there's someone that is resistant to anything like journaling or meditation or affirmations or anything like that, the only reason we're resistant to anything in life is because we don't understand it. Right. Like that's it. And so it, w- I see it the same way that I see sales. If you're trying to convince somebody that that journaling is powerful, there are, there are really three core components. The first is you have to change their belief system about journaling, right? Mm -hmm. That one thing you have to be able to help them see a step-by-step process to do it for themselves. They have to feel like they can actually do it in a way that makes sense to them. And you have to paint a compelling future. They have to see the value of the journaling and be able to imagine if I do journaling, then I get this, I need cause and effect. And so when we tell people like, you know, you need to be journaling every day. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, no, you need to do it. It's not going to work. And they're never going to do it ever. Right. right? right. It's like, okay, well, you know, why don't you want to do journaling? Well, I don't see any value in it. That's typically what they say. Like, I don't even know why I would do it. I don't see any value in it. That is an indication to you and I and to anyone else listening. If someone's like, I don't feel like it's worth it. I don't see value in it. It feels like a waste of time. It has nothing to do with journaling and everything to do with their beliefs.
0: Right. Right.
1: Everything to do with an operating system and a construct because they don't understand the value. And so your job is to communicate the value, just like we did. And we do with our boys. You did with your boys is like get them to eat their green beans. I thought you wanted to be a really awesome soccer player when you grew up, kiddo. Oh, I do. Well, a really awesome soccer players. They eat their green beans. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know, but that's right. all that it is, is a healthy persuasion to try and help them to make that decision for themselves. And so when we talk about journaling affirmations, meditation, prayer, all of these different things that are very, very useful, I have found the reason most people do them is because they have not been taught or told in a way that they can understand the value and what that is going to do for their lives. And a case in point is that journaling is incredible for uh, for people that are working on emotional regulation. People are like, well, what's emotional regulation? Well, do you get pissed off pretty easily? Are you reactionary? Do you find yourself angry that you're angry all the time? Are you short with your kids? Are you short with your wife? You know, are you constantly stressed and anxious? Well, journaling is actually a way that you can release all of that negative energy and put a big old F you to this page about what the stuff is going on in your head. And when you get that out, you'll actually feel completely different. Have you ever tried it? And they're like, no, I've never tried it before. Okay. Try rage journaling. The next time you get like beyond the point of like no return and you just want to lose it, like literally pull out your phone and either rage journal into your phone, a video or write down and just go to town. Every word that you can imagine, nobody's going to read it. You probably should burn it afterwards. You will feel freaking amazing. And then they're like, I, I might just try that. And then they try it and they're coming back like, dude, you're not going what happened. It was amazing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I think it's more about us being able to help people understand simple things that they can do that that's where we oftentimes get confused. Like even for somebody listening to this podcast, we've talked about a lot of stuff and it's very easy for me to be able to step into that, that seat listening right now and be like, David, Brian, like this stuff all sounds great, but I just need like Uh, Give me something practical, man. This all sounds like ethereal, awesome, cool juju stuff, but I need something (laughs) practical. And as we talked about, something practical is like journaling. But Mm -hmm. we also need to help people understand, hey, the reason for journaling is, is for you to dream. When's the last time you actually sat down for real and did an honest time of reflection about where you're at? When's the last time you sat down and wrote about what you want your marriage to look like? When's the last time you actually sat down and wrote some of your dreams about your career and that book that you've been sitting on for 25 years, or the fact that you want to stand on a TEDx stage, or you want to be able to to win that award, or you want to be able to go be in a screenplay, or you want to write whatever. I don't know what it is. Every single man, every single dad is different, but we've buried these things. And so when we can give practical, just start here, start with defining your perfect day start with taking an honest reflection audit of how you invest your time. Because most often, most men aren't investing any time. They're spending it all. They're spending their time doing whatever and they don't see life and time as a resource to be invested. When you can start doing those practical things, all the other stuff just, it starts to flow towards you because you've opened up your life to the possibility of change and now life will start happening for you. And you'll start answering the questions. And before you know it, you'll pick your head up and be like, I don't even recognize who I was. Like that's a whole nother human being. Right. And that's where I, I, it lights me up just to see people take ownership and to recognize, like we have so much more potential than we ever even realized. Right.
0: Yeah. And I think that's great. I, I, I do. I, I see that, uh, and what you said that the men, they don't, I, I say men, but really it could be, it could be the moms too, but they just, they don't find value in it because they've never tried it. And I think that once they do it that one time, you're absolutely right. It's mm-hmm. like, once they do it that one time, how much different they'll feel. And can you imagine if you did it? Like I just do it just for, it takes me a couple seconds every morning. I just jot down things on my journal about what I'm thinking. And I just do it on my, right on my phone. I just jot down what I'm thinking. It allows my mind to just kind of open up and be free. So I can get through the things that I need to get through for the day. But imagine the compound effect of that. If you did Mm -hmm. that one day and then you did it for a week and then a month and then a year, imagine the person you are today to the person you are a year from now, how much better off you'll be. Uh, You're going to be amazed. And we talk about getting it being hard in the space that you're in now and getting to the person that you want to be, how difficult that is. Trust Mm -hmm. and believe me. When I say, once you are at that person that you are, you're going to be like, wow, that was easy. That was easier than I thought. And and they they can't, they can't uh, put, uh, I I guess they cannot picture who they are because it looks so far away and it looks so difficult. But once they are that person to see where you come from to where you are today, um, you'll be amazed at how much how, how, how simple it was and the process that you get. Now, yes, it's going to take a lot of work. Like David said, it's going to take a lot of work and it's going to take commitment and it's going to take integrity, right? We, you talked about integrity. It's going to take integrity. Um, But all those factors, if you're committed to it and you want to be the dad or the husband or the businessman, uh, the leader that you want to be, if you take the necessary steps, what David's saying is, you take the necessary steps and learn to reprogram your mind Mm -hmm. Because your mind's programmed, David talked about that too. Your mind is programmed a certain way based on your experiences and things that you've gone through in your life that has programmed your mind. If you learn to reprogram your mind to who you want to be, uh, Mm -hmm. that is where that's where it's difficult. But once your mind starts to become reprogrammed, then it's easier, then it gets easy. And then once you start to get to that person where you become that person you want to be, uh, it's amazing. Amazing. Let me
1: give you a quick, quick little story to, to seal that, that I think people will Brian, I heard this story one time. I don't remember where it was at. Um, but I I love doing research. One of the, one of the, uh, several different research studies that I found is that in the medical science community, it's argued or really in the psychological community, it's still an argument of whether or not it's between it's somewhere between 21 days and 90 days is what it takes to change a habit, Right. Some people are like, ah, it's 21 days, right? 30 days. But the consensus is it's somewhere between 21 and 90, right? Now, there are anomalies and there are outliers. There are people that hold turkey. They just change. They're done. It's over with. They're a whole new person. They're They're the, they're the anomalies. But for the average person, if you can imagine a farmer, every single day for the last 20 years, this farmer has gotten on his tractor and he's driven out to the same field that's a mile away. Over the years, ruts have developed on the road. So much so that now when he gets on the tractor, he turns it on and he gets onto the road. He doesn't even have to hold the steering wheel because the ruts are so deep. You heard this story before? I see Mm -hmm. you, right? The tractor's going. He doesn't even have to drive anymore. He just sits back. He reads a book. He's looking at the sunflowers, whatever. Everything's on autopilot because he's driven that same path over and over and over and over again. This is exactly what is happening in our brains with neural pathways. Mm -hmm. We've created a pathway. We've driven every single day for years and years and years and years and years. But here's the cool thing. Like you said earlier, a 1% improvement or a 1% change. If the farmer grabs the steering wheel and turns the steering wheel 1%, when he wakes up in the morning, gets on the tractor, he turns it 1%. Here's why it's so hard. Those ruts are so deep. If you've ever been in ruts before and you're trying to get out, you know that even if you're just trying, you got to like, you got to force that thing out of deep ruts, right? It's incredibly hard. But if you do that every single day with consistency, you start to find it's easier and easier and easier to go down this new road because you're cutting a new pathway. It's literally new neural pathways Mm -hmm. being created in the brain and the old pathway starts to wash out. It's not getting used as much anymore. This is why early on changing our habits are so incredibly hard. But if a habit is hard, this is what I want everyone to remember. If a habit is hard to you, It means it's not actually a habit yet because a habit by definition is only something that you do without consciously having to think about it. And so if you're consciously having to force yourself to not snooze, consciously having to force yourself to go to the gym, consciously having to force yourself to drink the right amount of water or do this or that or the other, that's great. You're creating a new neural pathway, but you have to maintain this hard because it's not easy continuously until it becomes a part of your identity and you no longer think about it. You get up, you don't snooze, you go to the gym, you drink your water and away we go. And this is applicable for any habit because we know you cannot stop or just decide I'm done with this. You have to replace a habit. They have proved you have to replace it with something different. And that goes into everything you're talking about. Yeah, journaling for you, it sounds like you've done that for a very long time. It's now a part of who you are because you find the value in it. For you to not journal now would be weird. right? It's just like runners run, teachers teach. Everything we do is an extension of who we are. What we do is simply that extension of who we are. And so if you don't like what you're doing and you don't like the results you're getting, by logical extension, the only thing that we can do is change who we are.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, it's funny that you bring that up because I think about, um, you're talking about the farmer. I think about these, these grooves that we have. And we're talking to, you know, the, the dad that drives to the office every day. He takes the same route. He drives the same route. And the crazy thing is for you dads that take the same route to your office every single day, just change it tomorrow. When you drive to the office tomorrow, go a different route and you're going to see how weird it feels. You're going to be like, Wait, yep. this is, there's something wrong here. Your brain's going to be like, yo, Brian, what are you doing, man? You're not going the right way. Mm-hmm. Just change the direction once. That's what he's, re- that's what he's talking about. It's like, if you want to be this other person and create these other habits you have to change the neuropath in your mind. And I know Tony Robbins talks a lot about this, right? Creating those, those other neuropaths in your mind and really scratching out the old ones. Tony Robbins talks a lot about that, scratching out those old patterns, right? That's what, that's what David's talking about is creating these other. So I say that in that when it comes to us as parents, dads in particular, or moms, when it comes to us as parents, you want to create a habit in being a, the parent that you want to be. You have to start to program your mind, creating those new neural paths. You know what? I'm really bad at getting up with my boys or my kids in the morning to make them breakfast. Tomorrow morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Tomorrow, I'm going to set it. And then just start to create these patterns, this, this routine of getting up every single day. So you're, you're, And you'll be amazed at the type of mom or dad that you will become just from that small little change. I'm getting up 10 minutes earlier so I can make them breakfast. I'm going to start doing that. I'm doing it tomorrow morning. Then the next day, do it again. Then that what that's doing, it's scratching out that old pattern that you had and creating a new pattern. It's that neuropath that's that new neural path that's being created. So that's that's great. You're right. The the grooves that we have in our life are the grooves that are guiding us right now. And those grooves may be the wrong direction, maybe taking us the wrong direction. But tomorrow, start to create that new groove, start to create that new pattern uh, and continue be committed to yourself, hold and in- hold yourself with that sense of integrity to yourself that I'm going to create this new groove. Uh, and you'll be amazed at the type of person you'll be a week, a month, six months, a year from now. Um, it's amazing. That's awesome. Um, David, listen, I know we've gone long and I want to let you go because I know you've got a busy day, but for my listeners, my viewers, they want to learn a little bit more about you, check you out, best place for them to do that.
1: Yeah, so um, you can find me on any social media at David Waldy. I also have a free gift that I'd love to give. It's 100% free for you, Brian, and for your listeners. If you go to fierceempathyframework.com, everything that we just mapped out, that F-I-E-R-C-E, like the actual framework, I have a self-coaching framework where you can literally do this work on yourself, by yourself, working through these things of defining those things. But here's what I always encourage everyone. As men, I believe we need three things. We need someone that we are are modeling or following, someone that we are submitted to and learning from. We need someone beside us to lock arms with, and we need someone that we are leading. We need someone that we are pouring into, that we are helping them. And so, in this process, I I wanted to mention this a little earlier, Brian. I've forgotten, I apologize that I've forgotten until now, is that for every single one of us, we weren't meant to do this alone. If you're trying to figure all this stuff out on your own, you are making a tremendous mistake you need to get in touch with Brian. You need, if you're a listener of this podcast, you owe it to yourself to find someone like Brian who cares about you, who loves you, who wants you to win, who wants you to succeed as a dad. If you're trying to figure all this stuff out on your own, i'm telling you you will stay stuck frustrated and overwhelmed and so feel free to grab my free framework again it's fierceempathyframework.com dive into that but reach out to brian connect with some other dads we weren't meant to do this thing alone because i i find that most often the challenge that we face is we're suffering in silence we're, we're we got too much pride too much ego i'm supposed to be the dad and if i if i'm failing in any area if i don't ha- if i don't measure up Then I like it's destroying men in this day and age because of the pride and ego of thinking, I can't be vulnerable. I can't be open. I don't want anybody to know that I don't have it all together. And my friend, my brother, to you listening right now, wherever you are, you are not alone and it is not weakness to admit that you're dealing with stuff. It actually takes tremendous courage to be vulnerable. You cannot and will not be courageous without being vulnerable. Think about it. And so that's where you can find me. You can check out my website, davidwaldi.com. Hit me up on social media. And if if, you, if you've listened to the podcast and you want to just uh, say you heard heard me with here with Brian, I'd love to connect with you, create a conversation, but uh, I'm always down to jam with my brothers. So hit me up.
0: Awesome. Well, David, thank you very much, man. Um, I really appreciate you being on. I'm glad that we've gotten a chance to connect more uh, in a virtual person. Uh, you, you and I have kind of connected with each other over the last few months, but man, you're you a remarkable young man. I love what you're doing. The passion you have behind what you're doing and the passion you have as a, as a husband and a father. Uh, that's why I like doing this show is for men like you uh, to really pour into others. Because like you said, Us as dads, we can't do it alone. We cannot be afraid to reach out when we need help. We have to be able to do that. If you're able to reach out and say, I need help in this area, that's a massive step. That's a massive step in the right direction. And if anybody is on this podcast and needs that kind of help, reach out to David. I know he talks a lot about reaching out to me, but reach out to him because this man, uh, he can help you through some stuff. And even even if it's just an ear to listen, uh, he he's there for you. I know that. Um, so David, listen, my man, thank you very much for being on. You've poured into a lot of people and I really appreciate it. And I look forward to continuing our friendship, brother.
1: Brian, it was an honor. Thank you so much for having me, brother.
0: Awesome. Well, listen, guys, thank you guys again for joining me and my good friend David on this episode of Dad Up. Make sure you guys are checking out what he's doing. Go to his website. You want to pick up that fierce and really work through it. Have some questions for him on it. Uh, Make sure you reach out to him. He's very responsive on his social media. Uh, He'll always answer you back. So make sure you guys are reaching out to him and checking that stuff out. And as always, make sure you guys are subscribed to my podcast if you haven't yet. So you don't miss awesome guests like David that come on each and every week. And I look forward to seeing you all on the next episode of Data. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. Make sure you guys subscribe to my podcast and YouTube channel. And please do me a favor, leave a rating and a review. Would love to hear from you and see what you think of the show. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes each week. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Data Podcast.